0: Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala Sermon Podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. What follows is an audio recording from our Sunday morning worship gathering, and we hope that you will find it encouraging, challenging, and helpful. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala, please visit our home on the web, Ocalagrace.org. Good morning, church. We're in John chapter 7 this morning as you turn to John chapter 7 uh, One of the things that when I was studying this chapter today the, the actions of Jesus made me think of spy movies It's where the spy can interact where they are, and then make their way covertly or undercover or by some incredible physical talent of being able to jump wall to wall or something. Or they've got some kind of cool gadget because Bond is like the coolest thing ever. I think I did just a cursory research and there's been like a bunch of movies. It's hard to believe that Roger Moore turns 80-something this week. Last week he turned 80-something. And Roger Moore was like... Okay, Sean Connery was a pretty good James Bond, but Roger Moore is probably one of my favorite. But And then you got the new guys, which shows that I'm old. So everybody in the room has, has seen some kind of cool James Bond thing. <clears throat> and so Jesus this morning, it's like, you know, where uh, the Bond has 50 guys around him and there's no way he can get out. He's cornered in a room or something has happened where the hero is stuck. How in the world are they going to get out of this situation? Somehow in the Bond movies, we're like, we know the plot and we know the outcome, but we'll watch it every time. But yeah, (laughs) so this is where Jesus is this morning. John chapter 7. So let's look at the trap in which they try to set for him. John chapter 7, verse 1. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of Booths was at hand. So his brother said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you're doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I'm not going up to, the, to this feast, for my time is not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. So the, the brothers set the trap. Jesus is literally going about. He's literally walking around in Galilee because the Jews are trying to kill him in Judea. There's a death warrant issued against Jesus. So during the Feast of Booths, which, by the way, starts tomorrow for the Jews. Last week was Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. Tomorrow starts the Feast of Booths. So this is pretty cool. Jesus is standing up, and we're only a day off in our time. But Jesus stands up at the Feast of Booth. So during the Feast of Booth, there's a sideways challenge that comes from Jesus' brothers. I think the most literal reading, the most natural reading of the text is Jesus' brothers, literally his family. It says, hey, you really should go to Judea and prove yourself to your disciples. Don't hide out here. Go reveal yourself to the entire world. Sounds like a reasonable plan, except remember what happened to Jesus last week during his retreat. It started with 13, got thousands, and it went back down to 13. And one of those was going to betray him. Look at John 6, verse 66. It says, And after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. All right, so how many of us have brothers and sisters? You know this play, right? Right, you think you're all out in a bag of chips? Go prove yourself to the disciples who are left. (laughs) That went well for you. It's the sideways dig. Why are you hanging out here? Go prove, you need to go shore up your losses with the ones who stuck around. And by the way, then John gives us a little cliff note again. He says, for even his brothers didn't believe in him. Verse 7. Middle note. There's a good reasonableness that that's the book of James. Jesus' brother was James. So, but at this time he doesn't believe in him. So what are they doing? They're trying to set him up to go and just get denied. Go get killed. They know what's going. on. Hey, Jesus, if you really want to prove yourself, go do it." And Jesus' answer is, "It's not my time yet. What's he talking about? What time? My time to die? But your time is here. It's not my time to do what I'm supposed to be doing. And by the way, when Jesus interacts with Mary, his mother, at the wedding feast and works behind the scenes, what's he say? That's well, not my time yet. Who's in control? Jesus is in control of what he is doing as the progression of the plot continues through the book of John. And he's like... You can't convince you I am in control of what is going on here, fellas. My time isn't yet here, but yours is. The world hates me. So you guys go ahead and go to the feast. It's not my time yet. I'm gonna stay here. So we went so we have the trap that is set by his brothers. So Jesus is gonna do a little undercover work. Move to verse ten. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking, to, looking for him at the feast, saying, Where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people, while some said, He's a good man. Others said, No, he's leading the people astray. Yet, for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly about him. So this is Jesus' undercover work. He goes to the feast of Booths, but he's like he's there, but nobody can perceive him. God shows up, and He chooses to whom they can see Him, perceive Him, to accept Him, and so He's hidden in the scenes, and He's walking around. Have you ever been in a room when somebody walks in and there's muttering all of a sudden? Blah, 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 here! Oh my goodness! Look what she's got on! So there's this crowd that Jesus is infiltrated undercover, and meanwhile they're murmuring, they're muttering in whispered voices. So Jesus shows up undercover, and the crowd is undercover. If it's one thing that fries me faster than anything else, it's passive aggressiveness. And this is the height of passive aggressiveness with the crowd. Nobody has the guts to say anything out loud, but the whole crowd is murmuring, muttering. That's one of the great words in English that sounds like what it is. Murmuring, muttering. And some of them are saying, well, he's a good man. How many of us have heard that this, this last week? Hey, I followed Jesus. Well, he was a good guy. Certainly. Was a good guy, but that is barely a characterization of who God reveals Himself to us as. Then there's some that are outright saying, He's a heretic, deceptively leading people astray. So at least there's somebody murmuring saying what they think. He's a heretic and he's leading people astray. But get this no one spoke openly about him. God's got a way of entering himself into the situations where they're undercover. Murmurings, mutterings, passive aggressiveness exist even in what people think. And as we take the mess of Jesus into our society, are we willing to be in there and address those situations? So they tried to set the trap. Jesus goes in undercover, and then he gets to hear what people are saying about him. And no one is talking publicly. I love what Jesus does here. Move to verse 14. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? Crowd answered, "You have a demon who is seeking to kill you." Jesus answered them, "I did one work, and you marvelled at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment." So Jesus shows up. He goes from under. They set the trap. He goes in undercover. And where does he show up? Right in the temple teaching. Oh, you think you were going to catch me, but I'm still going to show up. And I'm going to show up in such a way that when I get there. And by the way, it's the halfway point of the Feast of Booths. So it's like either day three or day four. And how do they respond to Jesus? They marvel at him. Where did he get his Ph.D.? There's no way he's got his letters for this. We know where he grew up. In small-town America, we know who went to what school. And if you know that the kid never went to school and all of a sudden is quoting Camus, Nietzsche, Carl Barth, you're like, what? Who would get that? We would do the same thing. So there are these Jews sitting there has been taught by these Pharisees. And he's got the, they got their letters, their Ph.D. in Old Testament studies. And Jesus stands up and says, start speaking. Now here's the fun part of what John wrote. Do we have any clue what Jesus taught? No. We just get the reaction to it. It's like one of the things I'm like, I what he said? Well, it would be a good thing to ask Jesus when you get to heaven. What were you actually teaching about? But we have no idea what he was teaching. We just know their response, how they reacted to it. This stuff is amazing. There's no way that this little fellow should be able to talk like this, be able to teach like this. So they're wondering, where in the world did you get your formal education? Who discipled you? Who are you following? Because in the time when you wanted to do the work of being a rabbi or being a Pharisee or being a Sadducee, you aligned yourself with a teacher. So they're like, whom? Where did you get your degree? Where did you get your training? So Jesus answers. And guess what he's going to say? He said this about 40 times already in the book of John. My father, my teaching is not mine. It's the my father's teaching. He's the one who sent me. If anyone wants to do God's will, my father's will, they would know where my teaching is from. I seek my father's glory and I speak the truth. If you follow the law of Moses as authoritative, then you wouldn't kill me. What here is what John leaves out is probably Luke 6, verse 6 and 7. Jesus responds. They respond to him first. Who in the world wants to see you, seek to kill you? When Jesus gets done with this part. It's a completely rhetorical question. So Jesus responds. I did one work and you marvel at it. In chronological order, as you put the gospels together. This may be Luke six, verse six through seven, six to eleven, where Jesus sees this guy and he's got a withered hand, and he walks into the temple. And Jesus says, "Hey, you want to be healed?" Kind of like the question of the day. Yeah, stretch out your hand. It becomes good. Now the Jews are upset that what happened when he healed the lame guy. What were they upset about? He picked up his mat. You're not allowed to pick up mats on the Sabbath missing the complete fact that Jesus healed this guy. So now Jesus heals a guy with a lame hand and they're like, hey, you can't do that on the Sabbath. So Jesus is going to respond to them, hey, you follow the law pretty good here, right? Yeah, we do that. We're professionals. So you guys circumcise on the eighth day. Now the problem with the eighth day, it could fall on the Sabbath. So what the Jews taught was, hey, on the, if the eighth day happens to fall on the Sabbath, you're allowed to do that because that's what God approves on a Sabbath. So Jesus says, hey, you will work on the Sabbath and so will I. You worry about taking care of circumcision and I took care of an entire, by entire man's body. So he responds to him that way. And look at the end of verse 24. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Um, One of the verses in the Bible that's not in the Bible that people like to quote is, you're not allowed to judge. Miss Sue would be upset about that. Yeah, your job isn't valid. (laughs) But anyhow, the Bible never says do not judge. It says judge with the same judgment that you would expect for yourself. Use the same standard you would with somebody because that's what's going to be used with you. And Jesus says, you guys are judging me according to the law and you're not judging very well. If you knew the intent of the law, you would not judge me for this. Because they're like, you're messing up the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, I'm taking care of people. I have been doing my Father's work, and I do my Father's work even on the Sabbath. Move to verse 25. Some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, Is this not the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is, speaking openly, and they said nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that, that this is the Christ? But we know where this man comes from, and when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, You know me, and you know where I come from. But I have not come, from my own, come on my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him. But no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. Yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this? Now the rhetoric of verse seven, chapter 7, verse 20. See where the crowd says, who is seeking to kill you? They know the answer to that. Because now they're like, hey, the authorities, he's teaching in the temple and they're allowing him to do this. Maybe the authorities think that he is the Christ. They're allowing him to teach. They're not doing anything. And this is where the crowd kind of gets it wrong. We know where this guy is from. And when Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. That's not true the Old Testament is really clear. Even if we sing, what's the one song that starts with O at Christmas? Oh little town of... Yeah, everybody knows that one. Even we know that. That's in the Old Testament. He will be born in Bethlehem and he'll be the son of... What family line is he in? David! Right, so we even know this stuff and we don't have a PhD in Old Testament studies. So the crowd... It's like, hey, nobody's gonna know where he's from. Oh, yeah, you do. You do. You kind of know this. It's probably kind of like really specific where he comes from. So Jesus will then answer them in verse starting in verse 28 there. You know me and you know where I come from. The father sent me and you don't know him. I know the father because that's where I'm from, because he's the one who sent me. Every time they challenge his credentials, where does he go back to? The Father. He sent me. If you would believe me, you believe me if you believed him because he's the one who sent me. If you're an ambassador sent from the United States to somewhere else and somebody says, "I don't believe you," who co-signed your authority as an ambassador? President. I speak on behalf of this person. Jesus is the ambassador for the Father in heaven. The crowd. The fickle crowd. Some seek to arrest Jesus, but he gets away. They want to arrest him. And I, he, Jesus, as he came in undercover without people being able to see him, now he can say, my hour is not yet come, because now he can slip away without anybody laying a hand on him. For his time had not come. His hour had not yet come. But get this, many people believed in him, because they said, at the end of verse 31. when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than what this guy has done? There's chunks in the crowd that looks at what Jesus has done. Wife watched him, they followed him, and it's obvious to them as day. Wow, if the if this guy is the Christ, will there ever be somebody who does more than him? When we interact with Jesus, when we react to Jesus in our own lives, is there anything else we can turn to? Other than Jesus, because we can say, look what he has done. Look what he has done in my life to where I am today. So there's reactions already. Pick up with me in verse 32. The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you for a little while longer, and then I am going to him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks, to teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, you will seek me, and you will not find me? And where I am, you cannot come. This is Jesus' great escape. But look at verse 32. The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things. What were they muttering? Remember, the crowd's muttering, hey, isn't this the guy they want to kill? Uh, This guy is speaking openly in the temple. And maybe the authorities think that he is the Christ because they're letting him get away with this. And based upon his claims, they sure haven't arrested him yet. Because making claims of being God and what Jesus has done would be warranted for the authorities to arrest him. But hearing the rumors, hearing the muttering, the Pharisees are forced into action, and they send the cops. I send them in to arrest Jesus. And I like his answer. Hey, I'm going going to be here for a little while longer. Then I'm going back to him who sent me. When you seek me, you will not be able to find me because you can't go where I'm at. How many times in our lives does Jesus say this to people around us or even to us? Hey, you want to seek me? That's awesome. We'd like us to be able to advertise some Jesus and to be able to get it. It's like being able to drive down the road and seeing the perfect fruit stand with the best fruits and vegetables for free. And it's only going to be here for a little while longer. So we drive on by. Well, I'll get that on the way home. And you know, on the way home, it's gone. Like, hey, I missed it. Jesus is saying that to everybody. I'm going to be with you for just a little while longer. I don't know where you're at this morning spiritually, but there is a deadline to the offer of Jesus saying, I want to rescue you. I want to be your Lord and Savior. And I'm only going to be here. I'm only going to offer this for a little while longer. Because what's the consequence? Seek me and you will not find. I will go. The Jews, where's he going to go that we can't find him? (laughs) Maybe he's going to bail out of Jerusalem and go amongst the Jews who have been spread out amongst the Greeks. And what does he mean, you'll seek me and not find me? Where are you going that I can't go? How many people say that today? Okay, This is a pretty challenging situation, so I'm stressed about it. So, man, I know what will remedy this. I'll add me some religion to this stress. That'll alleviate some things. That season's over, so now I can go back to whatever life was before. It's been a rough week, so I'm going to do some little bit of Sunday. Or how many of us were trying to chase after Jesus like, Hey, I got this. I got this. And then we stumble and we're like, oh, maybe I didn't have this. When we're following and going after Jesus and we're going along with him, with others, there will be moments and we'll have to decide, am I on his side? Am I going along with him, following him as he has led? Are we willing to share... The news that Jesus offers Himself to people for a limited time, and there's a time deadline to that offer. And Jesus must know this because look what He offers in verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom, he, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. On day seven, on the last day of the Feast of Booze, Jesus gets up and says, Anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. The Feast of Booths is to celebrate Israel's re, um, extraction, leading, God leading them out of Egypt. A booth is like a tent. So it would be like us, we're going to all go outside of our house and we're all going to camp out in our backyard for a week. Why? To remember when we left and we had to live in the wilderness. Now, <clears throat> what was the two great things that God supplied for the people of Israel in the wilderness? Jesus talked about this last week. He got what that came down from heaven. Manna. Right? And then also, what was pretty amazing to give a people that large in quantity that they also need. What do you need, Frank, when you're out there and you've been out in the woods for a long time and you really... Try not to say the word. You need fish? Yeah, okay, so you're out there and it's hot. Your bottles running low what do you need? Water. So the Jews at the eighth day at the end of the Feast of the booths it had all these processions that went up and they used water as a symbol to show that God took care of us as a people out of on our Exodus out of Egypt. So while they're proceeding with all this water dumping Jesus says, hey I'm the living water It's like this. Okay, if we rewrite this, which I suggest you don't do. Jesus shows up at Christmas and says, I'm the greatest present ever. And you would be like, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense because we're celebrating opening presents right now. Or if he showed up when we celebrated Easter, he'd be like, hey, I'm the greatest Easter egg ever. He shows up at the Feast of Booze and says, I am living water. While they're all celebrating at the end of the feast. And by the way, the Day of Atonement is very, very somber. The Feast of Booze, which the Jews are amazingly good at is partying. Eight days of straight partying after the day of atonement. So Jesus shows up at this great big party at the final day and it's so ripe with symbolism for them to understand if anyone thirsts let him come to me and drink. Yeah I got that. And then he says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said. That's why we read Isaiah 55 this morning, 1 through 9. God has said, Come to me, and I will be living water to you. And a people that didn't have it like we do, that was a great symbol to them. By the way, Revelation 22, 1 through 7. From the throne room of God comes a living water. With trees. It's two good examples of God using this symbol. It's His great invitation. If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Are you thirsty? It's one thing that I have experienced when out in the wilderness is running out of water. I drank from a stream that probably was not the best idea, but I was willing to take that risk because I was that thirsty. I can rem- I remember that just like it happened yesterday. Have you been that spiritually thirsty that you're like, what am I going to do? you realized your need. Where, how am I going to meet that need? And Jesus says, I can do that. Will you accept that invitation this morning? Whoever believes in me. And then the whole spring that comes out, because Jesus has used this with the lady at the well already. John tells us that will be the Holy Spirit that Jesus will send after he ascends. the people react look in verse 40 they react to this invitation when they heard these words some of the people said this really is the prophet others said this is the Christ but some said is the Christ to come from Galilee has not the scripture said that Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem the village where David was so there was a division among the people over him some of them wanted to arrest him but no one laid hands on him the officers, then came, the officers then came to the chief priest, and the Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you been deceived? Have any of the authorities or Pharisees believed in him? But the crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing? and learning what he does. They replied, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. So there's great reactions. The people react. Some people say, yes, this really is the prophet. Some of them say, yes, this is the Christ. And some of them are smart enough to know, hey, we think Jesus is from Galilee, but the scripture says, hey, he's the offspring of David and from Bethlehem. And someone Jesus arrested. But notice again, no one could lay hands on him. If you've ever handcuffed somebody, you have to use your hands. And I like the, way, the phrase, no one could lay hands on him. Remember this when it gets to the part where he's crucified. At this point, God can come into a crowd, interact with a crowd undercover, and no one notice. An entire crowd, wants to, a large part of this crowd, wants to arrest him, and they can't. They can't even lay hands on him. When Jesus says, I lay down my life, he laid it down. It wasn't taken. The authorities react with arrest warrants. So they send the officers who return empty-handed, and they say, why didn't you arrest him? Now, the officers of the temple were trained in the temple. They were part of their gig was to be the cops of the temple, but they were also taught there. So they have heard a lot of teaching. So when they go out to arrest Jesus, how, what do they come back with? Whoa, dude, you've never heard anybody teach like this. Left with a mission to, uh, to arrest him and return with, wow! you should have heard what he said. So the Pharisees respond to them, you've been deceived likewise. Not a single one of us have believed as if they're the authority. And the Pharisees say something condemning about themselves when they say to the crowd, they are a bunch of blooming idiots, they don't understand the Old Testament like we do, they're accursed. This word is, if you used it to your grandma below the age of 21, she would have washed your mouth off with soap. Uh, i 'm not going to use the word so the, but remember who are the people that do get the nuggets of truth about who Jesus is it 's the crowd. there are people in the crowd who get it and finally there 's a guy by the name of Nicodemus who reacts. Nick reacts. Remember this is a guy from John three. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. You know, we all know that. We see it at football games at the end of the, you know, people tattoo it or whatever, put it on signs. Who is Jesus talking to when he shares that good news? Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes at night and he says, hey, I want to get to know more about you. So Jesus shares with him the faith journey. So he's left Jesus, and he's back with this crowd. So Nicodemus is part of the Pharisees and part of the Sanhedrin. And Nick says, at least our law grants that we should give him a hearing. There's a lot of debate of whether Nicodemus ever fully accepted Jesus. We have these, what we do have is evidences of Nicodemus only responding nearly politically correct and trying to bridge the gaps. There's not enough to condemn him, there's not enough to say he was on board all the way. Nicodemus says, Hey, our law, if you guys are going to follow law, our law says we should give a fair hearing, which is very true. But Nicodemus never stands up and says, Yes, I spent the night with this guy. This stuff is true. I am following him. So the Pharisees respond to Nicodemus, are you from Galilee too? I was like, are you you from out there where they make up an area in your head where dumb people come from? Are you from there too? And then they said, go check the Old Testament. There's never been a prophet come out of Galilee. By the way, there is. (laughs) You got Jonah, (laughs) Elijah, and Nahum. They missed it. I mean, the Pharisees, are, when they're yelling at these people, they're condemning themselves so badly. So you've got a crowd reacting, and some of the crowd reacts in such a way that proclaims Jesus is the Christ. There's a part of the crowd that wants to arrest him. There are authorities that send out the cops to arrest him. And Nicodemus reacts in his way that's kind of on the fence. So how in the world are you going to react this morning? Are you going to react to Jesus by faith or rejection? we're at the same point are you going to stand on the fence like kind of like Nicodemus well hey, he's kind of a good guy bad guy I don't know maybe he's leading the people astray is this really important for my life because man I did talk to Jesus once when I was in third grade or are you going to react with what Jesus has presented to you and today that evidences of a faith that walks along with him in front of others because whether or not you've come to know Jesus, it's a part of getting to know him is walking along him. Remember what Peter said last week that was so amazing. Yeah, we believed in you. We're coming to know more about you and we want to follow you. Yeah, have we come to know him? Are we getting to know more about him and as are we following him? So what's your reaction this morning? We've seen a ton of different reactions from in the scripture. But what is yours? What does that look like for tomorrow morning? For one another. Reacting to Jesus looks like how we react to one another. I'm so glad that people have chosen to come to Grace Church of Ocala. Because when we send out the invitation, join us, different people come. And we've got a pretty cool... Different group here now. And as more people come, how do you react to those who come in that aren't like us? Well, reacting to them, reacting to one another, is how we evidence how we react to Jesus. Reacting to Jesus looks like faith in action. Remember, how did the disciples who were following Jesus decide not to? Remember, the scripture says they decided to walk away. Faith with Jesus is walking with Jesus. Faith in Jesus means action. And reaction to Jesus means making a choice. It really is. Do you rea- are you going to react this morning in believing in Him or reject Him? Because there, He has said, I will give you a time and then you will seek me and you're not going to find me. So, as we go into our community, how do you react when you're in Ocala? you react differently on Sunday than you do at work on Tuesday? Or when you're hanging out with blah, blah at Thursday afternoon, do you react differently there than you would here? Because following Jesus, reacting to him, will show up when you react in culture, wherever you are. Sharing Jesus, allow people to react to Jesus, not you. It was Jesus who fired them up and then wanted to kill them. Granted, there are disciples who follow Jesus after he ascended to get killed. I get that. But remember, rejection of what you share about Jesus, they're rejecting God, not you. That's hard to differentiate. And honestly, I have a really hard time with it because I want people to like me. And if I share hard news and they reject that, I take it personally. And I'm trying to say, I'm growing on this one. A lot. Act of faith. Allow people to watch you react and follow Jesus. Don't bottle it up. Let it be seen as you're out there in the community this week. I can't finish without saying, Have you ever reacted? Jesus, we're in the seventh chapter of John, and it's almost like when I write these sermons and work through them, it's like you're saying the same thing again. You're saying the same thing again, John. You're just another miracle that's evidencing the same thing. Well, okay, we're going to continue through John, but I'm going to say at some point you're going to have to react to the premise of I am a believer or not in Jesus Christ and will decide to follow Him. Today's the day for that. Please consider it. Thanks again for listening. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala or the sermon you just heard, please visit our home on the web, Ocalagrace.org.